No helicopters have been procured for me to go to golf course. Thank you. I never said he wasn't a great politician. I'm just saying he's a How'd you play out there today? Uh, well, I found the conditions challenging. Mostly because there's no grass on the golf course. But there never has been. I'm thinking about the swag bag. And I have high hopes for the swag bag. Trap. When you got three crevices on the green, your course is trashy. What's happening, folks? Welcome back. Episode 19, Beltway Golfer Alex Dixon here. Uh, Will Smith, co-founder of National Links Trust, is this week's guest. For regular listeners of the podcast, you'll remember that the, the very first episode, episode one, our first guest was his co-founder, Mike McCartan, which was recorded a couple weeks before the National Park Service announced um, who was going to win the bid to, to operate the three courses, Langston, East Potomac Park, and Rock Creek Park, um, for, for the, the long term. And so it was neat to sit down with Mike before they announced that National Links Trust did win that bid, and now with Will after not only them winning the bid but taking over operation, which, which happened in the first week of October. Will and Mike have, have been on a number of podcasts together talking about the project, so it's been neat here to sit down with each one of them individually, learn more about them, um, their kind of story and journey in golf that has led them to founding National Links Trust and to this project here in D.C. Um, can't say enough, obviously, that, of how you know, important and huge this project is um, to municipal golf and public golf around the country, but more importantly, or, or more importantly to me, I guess, uh, here regionally and, and, and specifically in, in Washington, D.C., and to the golf community uh, here in the area. Um, these are just tremendously important courses and, and, and a huge piece of the golfing community here and what National Links Trust plans to do with them and, and what they're going to become is just, it's just huge. Uh, to me personally, East Potomac Park's the closest public course to my house. It's the course I play most often annually. It's my de facto home course, Rock Creek and Langston, not far behind. Um, I love the courses as they are now and I am beyond excited at what they will become. I feel fortunate that I have an open line of communication with both Will and Mike and the team at National Links Trust. And one of my big takeaways from this, uh, this conversation with Will is, you know, this isn't happening overnight. This is going to take a while. It's probably going to be five, six years, maybe even a little bit more before all three courses are completed with the renovation. So there'll be lots of opportunities to ask more questions, to talk with them more. Um, to have other folks involved in the project on this podcast going forward, which um, I certainly plan to do so. Before I get to the conversation, a few other things. Um, if you missed on the Golf Channel this past week, the documentary, the excellent documentary about Skyview Golf Club in Asheville, North Carolina called Muni, I encourage you to check it out. Um, it's on YouTube, on Callaway Golf's YouTube channel. Um, it's a great example um, of what municipal golf can mean to a community uh, and just how cool it can be. Uh, I encourage everyone to check it out. Um, this past weekend, we mentioned it in our conversation, um, there was a World Long Drive event, or I guess not World Long Drive. World Long Drive is the tour that's owned by Golf Channel that they're actually looking to sell. And so the World Long Drive tour is, is kind of on hiatus right now. Uh, but it was a Long Drive event um, called the Capital Long Drive Classic, the inaugural Capital Long Drive Classic, that due to COVID, 
uh, they didn't really announce and the public wasn't invited because of COVID restrictions, but it's going to be on Golf Channel, sounds like in December, though that's not definitive, but um, keep, your, uh, keep your ear out from when that comes on because I think it's going to be really cool. I was able to attend, take some pictures, take some video. It was a really well put together event. I know the competitors were really excited to do it in part because there's not a lot of long drive events going on right now as Golf Channel fi- tries to find a buyer for it. Um, Lake Presidential, if you, uh, if you saw on my Instagram stories, Lake Presidential is on the market for a song, $1.75 million for the entire property, uh, which is perennially um, one of the top five or ten public courses in Maryland. Um, n- not necessarily a walkable layout, but, uh, but, a, but a great layout nonetheless. Um, and, uh, you know, 20 minutes outside of D.C., um, you know, I'm a big fan of Lake Presidential. Uh, you may have noticed or, or cut, if you listen to episode 17 of this podcast, uh, our conversation with Bob Sturgis, the owner of Worthington Manor, we were talking about best of lists and, and we were kind of alluding to a, a state of Maryland course that stayed on the list despite a couple years of, uh, uh, that, that kind of dipped where it came to, uh, course conditions. We were referring to Lake Presidential, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the course and excited to see. Uh, who buys it and, and, and what becomes of it. Um, but uh, from what I understand, due to zoning restrictions, it, it will definitely stay a golf course, which is, which is good news. Um, last thing, I uh, still got some T-shirts, the inaugural Beltway Golfer T-shirt. Um, I think it's sold out of large, but all the other sizes and a few left. Um, once those are gone, on to uh, different designs and different iterations of, of that that design for other merchandise. Got some towels and hats coming in next week, so stay tuned for that. Um, but that's it. Let's get to it. Uh, episode 19, Will Smith, National Links Trust. Here it is. Enjoy. Will Smith, how, how are you? Good. 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 Good to be here with you. This is fantastic. So um, today is what is today? Today's October 19th. 19th. Wow, I was, about to, I was about to guess. I was going to be way off. And National Inks Trust has been the lessor of East Potomac Park, Rock Creek, uh, and Langston for how many days now? This is, our, I guess, technically our 15th day. This is week week three, week, first day of week three. How's it going so far? Uh, it's going great. You know, we've had uh, really good weather, uh, with the exception of, of that hurricane that kind of blew through. But, um, you know, we've got We've had good, great weather, and this week looks great. So, you know, fingers crossed it stays dry and warm for as long as possible. Um, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Um, so my very first guest on this podcast was your partner, yeah. co-founder, yeah. Mike McCartan. Uh, and, but that was before the bid was even announced, the winner of the bid. Yeah. So let's kind of... Things, things have changed. Yeah. Things have changed. Yeah. Um, so let, let's start there for a second. So that, would've, that, would've, was that, that was mid-May when you recorded that or something like uh, that? Late May? Late May, maybe right at the beginning of June. Yeah. Maybe late May. Yeah. Um, but it was like two, maybe two weeks before the bid was announced. Yeah. And I, I, I think I told a few people this. I might have even posted it on Instagram. I can't remember. But the right... After I posted that episode, and I mean like right up to the weekend, I think they announced it on Monday, right? Yeah, correct. June 27th. I was getting, and I'm sure, you know, you, you were getting all kinds of messages and stuff, and, and, and I, I want to hear all about it. But even myself, just as the interviewee of Mike McCartan, I was getting messages from people saying, I love what National Links Trust is doing. I support them wholeheartedly, but there's no chance they're going to win. Yeah, so um, I've told this story before, but I, 
the, the proposal was due February 28th and we were grinding on it for January and February and um, really the last you know three weeks of February it was it was just sort of nonstop and um, I, I pulled up the website of our what we knew to be our certainly our main competitor if not our only competitor and sort of took a look at all of the heavy hitters that were associated with that organization yeah. and I hadn't done that I did that two days before it was due oh, wow. and at that point I was like oh man we we got no chance, but we got to see this thing through, put this thing in, and, and and see, you know, see if see if it comes comes through for us. And you know, I think you know from hearing from the Park Service, they were just really impressed with the team that we put together. Um, you know, our vision uh, very much aligned with what they put in their cultural uh, landscape reports. Um, and and so I think you know the combination of the team and the line vision with the Park Service and and a passion for the game and passion for these places, I think, was what what carried the day. What was that that bidding process like? I mean, was there was there an extensive presentation you had to put in front of the MPS? No, I mean, you know, this was pre-COVID, so you, you'd think that maybe there would have been a presentation, but I, I don't know the length of the, the document ended up, you know, probably 100 pages. Yeah. Uh, I never got a full page count. and But very detailed. Luckily for them, I think, um, luckily for us, they had put page limits on each section in each criterion. Um, which made it so you couldn't just get lost on a rabbit hole and just keep going and going and going. You really had to sure. figure out what was essential for the proposal, what they were looking for, uh, and, and put it in that um, in that in those in those page limits. So, uh, yeah, it was probably a hundred pages, um, not including sort of a, a exhibits, you know, spreadsheets and, and and graphics and stuff like that. Right. So, is you mentioned that there, there was one competitor that you know about is that public information as far as like who that i mean i mean uh, i know who the other competitor yeah. was but is it something you can talk about or um well i mean it's federal city council they sure. they um they they were the ones who you know give all credit to anthony williams and and federal city council they're the ones who sort of put it in the the uh idea or put the idea out there to the park service to switch over uh to a long-term lease um and for whatever reason, um, at one point, I think it was going to be a, a sole, sole, sole source contract. And the yeah, Park it was, Service... It was, was like going to be like a done deal. It's yeah, about a few years yeah. ago. And then, and then the, the Park Service um, uh, decided to put it out for, for bid. And, and that's sort of when we got involved. Um, you know, Mike and I really started um, the National Links Trust to be able to tell the stories of, sure. of, of what great places... Langston and East Potomac and Rock Creek are their incredible histories, um, both uh, from a golf course perspective and also culturally. Um, we want to tell that story so, so whoever responded to the RFP would um, have that in mind as they did it and would respect those those histories and legacies. And um, at some point, we realized the best way to to make sure the right thing happened at all of these places was to put together a team and respond. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what we did. And Mike and I have been in the golf industry for for um, a long time and have contacts with great architects and other people in the game. And um, I wouldn't say it was easy to put together the team, but you know, sure. we, we went about and did it and um, have, you know, we're, you know, we've got some of the best and brightest people in the game who want to help us and, and help the, the city of DC. To, to really realize the the potential of these these facilities, absolutely. But st sticking on the process for a second, it sounds like there, was there much back and forth? Like once you submitted your no, bid, no, no, they so, just they just reviewed it and said so, this is the one. You know, <laughs> we knew that um, maybe as it, we submitted on a Friday, February twenty eighth, and um, 
it was le- it's leap year this year, right? Uh, and so I think yeah. it was March 2nd was the day that they, they were flying people in from across the country to sit on the panel to review the proposals. Oh, wow. Um, so we knew that probably by the end of that week, you know, March 6th or 7th, that there probably had been a recommendation from the panel to the Park Service about who to choose. But, you know, it, it's, it's the federal government. Things move a little bit slowly. And um, so we knew there wasn't going to be a quick turnaround. Sure. Then mid-March, COVID happens and the world changes. And so we're, we're you know, March, April, May, we hear basically nothing. Um, we don't know if, if COVID, we, we tried to reach out to some of our contacts to see if they were even still considering doing this this year or whether they were going to punt it a year. Yeah. Um, I think in late May, we kind of got the word that they were they were going to maybe make an announcement um, maybe the following week. And then, of course, that got pushed back and back and back. Yeah. Um, but we definitely, you know, it was handed in. You know, Mike dropped it off at the building right, right, right down the street there. And, um, you know, we, we documented it and... and you know, after that, it was it was pretty silent for quite quite some time. So. Did, did it? Did you get the sense that it feel like a bit of a? I don't know if upset win is is the right term, but you know, um, since federal city council had been working on this for quite a bit yeah. longer yeah. than you guys had, and, and you guys, yeah. you know, National Trust kind of came in with better, but you you formed about formed a year, year before the bid, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So we formed in yeah a little less than a year. Um, uh, the RFP came out in July um, of, of 18, of 19, excuse me. Um, and we, at that point, had decided that we were going to put together the team to do it. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it was a little bit of an upset. Yeah, we, we certainly felt like we were the underdogs. Sure. Um, well, congratulations. And, and, yeah, and, yeah, thank you. <laughs> but I, honestly, um, a lot of credit should go to Federal City Council for advancing the ball to make sure. the Park Service realize what, what special places these were and how they needed they needed. Yeah. A plan for the next, say, 50 years, which is what the term of the lease is. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, well, obviously, I want, to, I want to talk a ton about National Links Trust and the, and the future of the three courses. Um, but you, you touched on it for a second. Your, your kind of experience in the game of golf, you and Mike's. Yeah. So let's let's talk about Will Smith for a minute and kind sure. of go backwards. Sure. Yeah. Um, so you're you're a local local DC kid, right? Yeah, born, to, born and raised. Yeah. Um, Saint Albans is that Saint Albans? Correct. Yeah. Excellent. So did yeah. you were you, did you grow up in the city? I grew up in the city, um, I moved around a, a fair bit, Georgetown, North Cleveland Park, uh, Cleveland Park, and then over in the Palisades, um, so all, all over Northwest. And you were, um, did, you, did you golf in high school? You know, I golfed a little bit growing up, yeah. um, you know, came, came to the courses a, a couple times growing sure. up, didn't really get the golf bug until um, right before my freshman year in college, Got it. and after that it was, you know, it was all downhill. And, but you uh, you hit the books in high school because uh, you're an Ivy League Ivy League guy. I did. I went to Yale, um, and uh, you know, very fortunate to, to be able to go to Yale, and um, not least because they have an incredible golf course, sure. um, the Yale Golf Course, designed by C. M. McDonald and Seth Rayner, and for for students, um, when I was there, I think it was seventeen dollars. So you just um, get to play it as much as you want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to play it as much as you want or as much as you could with your with your scholastic. Uh, you know, stuff you had to study and sure. all that sort of stuff. Um, but it was such a great contrast. For, Yale's a very urban school, and to be able to go out to this oasis with just beautiful uh, trees and just an incredible golf course, incredible design, that's where my love of golf and golf architecture really uh, got cemented and met met some people who I'm still really, really close with today and who, you know, I'm business partners with. And, um, yeah, it's, it, it was really fortunate that I got, I got to go to New Haven. I, I'm not sure... Uh, 
you know, I'm not sure how much of my education I use on a regular basis, um, <laughs> other than you know the fact that I fell in love with the game and golf architecture. And you fell in love with the game enough that you was it immediately after undergrad that you get what the UGA to study? No, I actually uh, I went to work for Travel and Leisure Golf. Okay. Um, it was a magazine under the Travel and Leisure you know umbrella. Um, they did you know this was the late '90s. Um, I was there for two or three years, and they they were doing some great stuff. We were based out of Boulder, Colorado. It just had a you know pretty much an ideal spot to be when you graduate college to go out and uh, and and hang out in Boulder and be involved in, in golf. Um, and then uh, around 2000, I decided I wanted to get in the golf course design and construction, and that that led me to University of Georgia uh, around 2002. I think was when I when I first uh, went there. And there you met Mike McCartan. Yeah, there I met Mike McCartan. Yeah. You guys were in the same program. We were in the same program. I was in my third year when he was coming in in his first year. Um, we had uh, I had done a, 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 some work for Tom Doak at the time, um, and uh, Mike was uh, a, starting uh, his internship. I think right around the time he went to graduate school, he maybe did a summer before he okay. went. And so Tom, Tom put Mike in touch with me. I sort of gave him the lowdown on what a great place Athens was and what a great program Georgia was. And nice. uh, so by the time he came, we were familiar with each other. And then, you know, we were, we were both DC kids, both love golf, golf architecture. Um, you know, at the time it was still it was still okay to be a, a fan of the Washington football team. We bonded <laughs> over that, uh, and, and we quickly became you know fell in love with the Georgia Bulldogs. So you know, it was it was a fun time to be there, and he was a great friend having to be, to be there with. So sure. And now, and so this was, you know, 17, 18 years ago, and now this has come full circle with, with you now bringing Doke into this project. Yeah. Um, but then even after UGA, um, I was looking at your resume earlier, and you know, you, you worked at a, on a couple of high-profile courses. Yeah. Uh, including one with Gil Hance, who's also involved in the yeah. project. Yeah, so, um, you know, Tom, Tom is really good about nurturing young talent through his internship program, and then... You know, if his guys like you, I think you know you get you get brought on to other projects. Um, and so, I, I for a few years during graduate school and afterwards, um, I worked uh, I worked for Tom on a number of different projects, um, both restoration and new construction. I, on the new construction side, I would say Bally Neal and Savonic are two of the courses most prominent courses I worked on. And um, you know, on on the restoration places like Holston Hills and Essex up in uh, Windsor, Ontario. Um, it's just, you know, it was just a blast to be involved in such wonderful projects sure. um, and to be able to learn from Tom and his guys. And then as you, as you kind of get better at your craft, but also maybe more expensive, uh, you kind of, Tom kind of phases you out. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I was very fortunate to kind of hook up with Gil and Jim Wagner. Uh, a little bit and worked on a number of projects with them um, before. So it's, it's more profitable for him to have good, cheap, young labor. I didn't say it, but, you know. <laughs> I mean, he's a good businessman. He understands, you know. Of course. I'm not, yeah, exactly. yeah. I'm not saying it as a, no, as a no, there's, there's a lot of people who want to get in the industry who are talented and young and hungry, and sure. it, it makes sense to to take advantage of that. Not take advantage, but to use that. And But also, you know, he gives back a lot because these people are, you know, these are guys like Kyle Franz. Um, who I worked with, who, who you know did the work at Mid Pines and Pine Needles. These are the guys who are going to be uh, the great architects for the next twenty, the, the thirty years. Of the industry, yeah, right? absolutely. So, yep, yep. yep. Um, and so, so you worked in 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 course design and, and, and course building for a while. Yeah. Um, when did you come up with a concept for the Outpost Club? So I'll try to give you the the quick quick rundown. Um, sure. I was out. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Franz and I were out shaping the uh, Prairie Club Dunes course um, 
uh, out in Nebraska for Tom Lehman, which um, I was really excited to see. Uh, just got ranked by Golf Magazine in their top 100 in the U.S. at number nice. 82. I, I've I've been saying for years that it's vastly underrated, so I'm really excited to see it. This is of, the first time it made that. Yeah, rank. first time it's made that list. Um, and so I'm really excited by that. And and so we were Kyle and I were out there shaping that golf course, um, and sort of concurrently with that, my friend Colin Sheehan is the Yale golf coach who I met at Yale. Um, we had always had this dream of, of designing and building golf courses together. Um, and rather than having some rich guy pluck me out of a bulldozer and say, here's this wonderful site, come come design it, um, we sort of felt like in order to do that, in order to have that opportunity, we would have to find the land, um, raise the money, put together the whole deal and, and do it all. And because, because we, uh, you know, were sort of complementary in our talents and had a lot of friends who were in the industry, we felt like that was something we could actually accomplish. Yeah. Uh, and so Kyle and I got introduced to this site out in Nebraska, which is spectacular, these, these heaving sand dunes, but it also had an 80-acre spring-fed lake in the middle of it. So I called up Colin. He called up uh, Quentin Lutz, who's our third partner in the Outpost Club. They came out and took a look at it um, and fell in love with it. Um, and we put together a prospectus. Uh, this was going to be the Outpost Club. First, it was going to be a multiple destination club with a large membership, low dues. Um, and we put together a prospectus, tried to go raise money, and that was the fall of 2008. So the world had literally just fallen off a cliff. And all these people... <laughs> and uh, you're asking you know, people to, 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 to spend a decent amount of money to, 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 to build a golf course in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska. You know, and uh, everyone was like, this looks like a great site. We love you guys, but this is not the right time. And so we went back to the drawing board, and one of the concepts that we had was from the moment that you option the lands of the first golf golf ball, golf shot being hit on it can be five, seven, nine years. And so we had always thought um, to host events all across the country to a sell memberships, but b uh, you know build camaraderie amongst the people that had already signed up for this club, mm, right? Sure. Um, and we realized that we actually didn't need the golf course to do that. We had relationship, great relationships throughout the golf industry at private clubs, and at the time, you know, the private clubs were in various uh, states of, of, you know, some were doing better than others, and, you know, we basically pitched them on a little bit of the UK model where, um, you know, they would open their, their doors to a group of vetted private club members who understood the culture, liked to play fast, take caddies, respect the golf course, replace their divots, play, fix their ball marks, uh, and our timing on that was great, and so we launched in February of 2010, and um, I've had, you know, I, I'm really the most lucky person in the world because I, I, the last decade I've been traveling around the world playing go great golf courses with great people. So, um, I've, got so the the, best, I've got the best job in the world. <laughs> from 2010 to the National Links Trust, yeah. that's, your, that's your career. That's yeah. your full-time job. Is yeah. that right? I mean, I've been, there's, a, there's a number of other smaller stuff that I've, I've been involved in, but that's what takes up the bulk of my time. But it's fair to say it's been extremely successful. It has been a, a good a good ride, yeah, for sure. And uh, we didn't really explain it to be. I mean, it's a it's a it's a it's a club for yeah. uh, people that appreciate uh, fine golf courses, golf course architecture, yeah. uh, like to travel, yeah. And so that your your membership is all over the country, all over the world. Yeah, I think we've got uh, forty one states and uh, ten countries uh, wow. representing our membership. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's people who love the game, love to travel, great and play great places. But and, and I'm going to mention this because I think there is kind of a, a dichotomy between the Outpost Club and National Links Trust. Sure. The, 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 are all of the Outpost Club, are they all members of private clubs themselves? Um, I wouldn't say everyone, but the vast, vast majority of them are for sure.
you know, a, a lot of where you visit. I mean, these are some of the, the creme yeah. de la creme of golf courses. Uh, a lot of private clubs, a lot absolutely. of courses that are hard a to get to. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Um, which is interesting that now you are leading one of the, you know, one yeah. of the most important I mean, municipal golf projects in the country. I'm not going to say it's penance for uh, all the good, <laughs> all the, you know, what I've been doing. But um, look, I, I, you know, I, I truly believe in giving back. We, we um, have seen 2015, the Outpost uh, Club, we, we realized that we had this incredibly generous, caring membership. And so we started uh, the Outpost Foundation. Um, and our main program to date has been um, giving scholarships to young men and women who work at the clubs that we visit throughout the course of our travels. Um, and so we've given, uh, given out over a couple, I think it's a couple hundred thousand dollars in scholarships over the last five years. Oh, wow. Um, this year with all that was going on with, um, uh, COVID, um, we started an emergency relief fund for independent contractors, uh, affected by, uh, the shutdown. Um, mostly caddies, um, and you know we've given out over two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars just this year to caddies who are affected by uh, by by uh, the pandemic. Um, so and the Outpost Foundation is a separate organization unto itself. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a separate organization. Right. It's own five hundred one c three, but it, you know the board is made up of, of Outpost Club members, um, and the, the the majority of our I would say ninety eight percent of our donations come from Outpost Club members, um, and so. Yeah, you know, the Outpost Club is this is this golf society that's about traveling and playing great places, but you know, our membership is is you know, cares about the game and cares about the golf community and and so well, it's a little bit of a jump to go from the Outpost Club to National Links Trust, you know, I as a I'm the immediate past president of the Outpost Foundation and you know, I, I truly believe in giving back to the game and sure. uh, it's given me so much. I mean, I, I just uh I just can't imagine where my life would be without the game of golf. Absolutely. Um, and that's uh, congratulations. It's terrific about the, the, the money raised and the scholarships of the Outpost Foundation. That's great, great work that you do. Um, I am curious that, um, you know, so, so now you're leading National Links Trust, and we're, we're going to get into the three courses here. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, what does, so the Outpost Club with their membership, the majority of which are members of clubs, how do they view what you're doing with the National with National Trust in these courses? I mean, is, is I, the know, I, I can only say by by the percentage of of people who have donated to the National Links Trust. I, I don't know the number of how many of the Outpost Club members have have donated to the National Links Trust, but it's a pretty you know it's at least twenty percent, maybe closer to forty percent, somewhere in that yeah. range. So uh, you know, the Outpost Club members, well, they're about traveling and playing great places. They you know again they they care about the game and are are putting their their money towards this this project, and you know, it's obviously partially because they've got a personal relationship with me, but mostly it's because we believe that you know, as Outpost Club members, we're really really fortunate to be able to play the places that we get to play, yeah. and we understand that not not everybody uh, is going to have access to that sort of thing. Sure. Um, and one of the tenets of of National Links Trust is is engaging golf course architecture, and, and that's what the Outpost Club's about. And so, yeah. uh, I think. The Outpost Club members realize that if they can help bring engaging golf course architecture to a, a wider uh, you know, group of the golfing public, that, that's that's a benefit for them. And I know, I know, uh, the Outpost Club members once we get these rehab these courses rehabbed, they're going to be some of the first ones in line to go check it out. So. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, and, may, uh, and maybe I'll edit this and put this at the at the end of the conversation. But one of the one of the places I'm going is I'm almost curious about a larger conversation since. Um, you know, there, there's so much um, energy and focus uh, on, on this project is 
just the long-term sustainability of private golf versus public golf versus some kind of um, hybrid model? Um, or is it going to go in the other direction and become even more private? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a, it's a really good question. And, you know, um, it's something that I've been looking at for, you know, 10 plus years now. I, I think um, the... And this year has kind of thrown a, a wrench into everything. I think um, you know, private clubs are doing better than they've ever, maybe not ever done, but there's you know, there's increased demand and increased interest. So I don't know where it's going after this year. But um, you know, the high end super clubs are probably um, going to be just fine. The, the mid tier is going to have to think of creative ways to you know, potentially get new people through the door. You know, one of the things we've seen through the Outpost Club is that if you get, it, you know, it's 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 really hard to market as a private club. But if you can get some new people through the door who then go back to their communities or back to their clubs and say, what a great time they had at, at a, a XYZ Club, yeah. that is only good for XYZ Club. Sure. And you know, through the Outpost Club, we've sold a bunch of memberships, people going to places and, yeah. and, and who wouldn't have ever gone there and then decided to join. So, yeah, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think... It's a larger conversation. Yeah, we might we might be probably don't yeah, have enough time. It might, to, be part right? two. might be part two. <laughs> might be part two. <laughs> let's let's yeah. get to these courts. Let's get the yeah. National Links Trust. So so you took over um, all three properties a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, you, there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. Absolutely. So so what? Walk me. I saw you posted on social media the other day. You've already started to look at the banks of the uh, the Anacostia and Kingman Island over yeah. at, at yeah. Langston. So let's talk that, a little that, bit about that's that. That's one of the first projects we want to do. Um, it, it's something that, that is not um, uh, too expensive. It's not cheap, but it's something that we feel like we can accomplish in the short term that will make a, a very lasting and visible impact on the golf course over there. Um, as anyone who's played out there knows that when you go on, you, you cross the bridge on 10, uh, you get this nice view of Kingman, Kingman Lake, and then you get up the, to the to the back nine, and you get on that island, and you, you lose all connection with the water. You don't know you're on an island. You don't know you're on the island. Yeah. There's water on both sides, even. You have no idea. Yeah. Um, and so what we want to do is, and all of that stuff that is, is choking those trees is invasive exotic plants, um, and we're going to work with the Anacostia Watershed Society to, to remove remove all of that invasive exotic material, open up the views, and then replant the banks with uh, native vegetation. So um, it'll be good for the golf course, it'll be good for the environment. Um, and so we think it's a win-win and a good, a really good first. Uh, and I would imagine it'll make ride. the back nine stunning. Yeah, I mean, make it the stunning. tee shot on number yeah. 10 where you're yeah. going across the water. Absolutely. You know, there's a, um, a lot of holes that'll and, be really beautiful. And I think it'll be good for the turf and drainage and all that sort of stuff. So it's a, it's a cool first project, something, you know, something that the Park Service sort of telegraph for us in their cultural landscape report they sort of said you know the, the potential you know, the next pro thing that someone should do would be to partner with the Anacostia Watershed Society to work I mean so it was it wasn't like we came up with this genius idea it was yeah. we followed their recommendation but we think it's a great it's a great recommendation so. sure sure um, so have have you decided as far as the time not maybe well timeline sure but like in, in what order work is going to happen in which course yeah um i can tell you what we laid out in the rfp um whether or not that's exactly how everything's going to work is you know you, you, no one really knows um but the idea would be to, to work on rock creek first then langston and then east potomac um it doesn't mean that we won't be doing you know drainage improvement and cart mm -hmm. path work at here Summer or things, yeah. at langston while we're doing the other stuff but the big major uh, capital improvements. That's the timeline that we have laid out. But again, it, it, that's all subject to change depending on a lot of different factors. With potentially 
starting at Rock Creek and, and shutting things down? How soon? Yeah, it's an, another thing we're looking we're looking at. Um, we think sometime next year. We're, we're not 100 percent sure. Got it. Yeah. Um, from from what I understand, um, you know, this is this this project's going to take a lot of money. It is, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, I don't want to go into the details, but you know, when we submitted, we had a big capital partner lined up for sort of phase one. Um, due to the pandemic, that's been pushed down the the, the road a couple of years. Um, so you know, we're we're you know, meaning we're, the capital coming from that partner. Yeah. So we're we're very much in a fundraising mode right now. Uh-huh. So um, if anyone wants to get involved, it's just just <laughs> we're not asking for your money, but I'm saying go to go to our website nationallinkstrust.com. Sure. And sign up for our newsletter. So that's <laughs> that's that's all the pitching I'm going to do today. Sure, but I mean, does that I mean, does that mean we're you know events, fundraiser, fundraisers, yeah. parties, anything you know, any any kind of creative fundraising? Absolutely, there's going to be a lot of that. Absolutely, yeah. And you're open yeah. to new, open to ideas. We're open to new ideas. Yeah, um, you know, anyone who cares about these places, we we want to talk to you and and hear your ideas and and you know, uh, hopefully we can get to the good stuff and getting in the dirt, you know, as soon as possible. Got it. Um, and then Doak at East Potomac, Hans at Rock Creek, Welling at Langston. Correct. Um, is it, do, do we have it right that the, 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 all three of them are essentially offering their services at some level of pro bono? Yeah, yeah that's that's correct. Some some level some level of pro bono. So, um, which is pretty incredible. Um, I, you know, I think. I think those guys, you know, again, they sort of, sort of like me. They, the last decade, I, you know, I've been hanging out at these private clubs. They, their bread and butter is is sort of the high end private club, and sure. I, they understand the importance of what's going on at these places and how important it is to the long term health of the game. So, yeah. I think they're excited to work on these projects for you know, a because they're interesting golf courses and interesting properties, but b they understand uh, how important they are. Based on what you've laid out. <clears throat> um, you know, like Rock Creek's going to have a pretty major renovation. It feels like the biggest renovation is going to be here, right? Yeah. I mean, this is the biggest property. It has probably the most infrastructural challenges. Um, so, yeah. And, it, you know, it's going to involve... Uh, also some, a pretty ambitious project. It's right? an ambitious project. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the blue course alone would be ambitious. But because of where the blue course is going to have to sit, there's going to have to be some movement of other pieces of the property. Um, and the white course is going to stay basically where the white course is. And the red course is going to stay basically where the red course is. But certain things are going to have to shift around a little bit. Um, is the Did I see on the map? Or I thought the red course was going to move this way a little bit, take out that parking lot. Is that still the case? It, 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 the, or at least the, 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 the one the parking lot that's never The original used. blue... The blue uh, course the the eighth and ninth of the, the original the first nine of the, the a course went further towards the river and so it takes a little bit of that one so everything's going to get shifted a little bit over and you know we'll assess the parking lot you know I, there, there seems to be more demand on the parking than ever but yeah. you know we also don't want to have you know we want to we want to use this place for golf rather than asphalt so sure I've, I've seen the routing when it got posted on social media of the plan um, it, it's it's kind of hard when you're looking at it for for someone with layman eyes like yeah. myself to make make heads or tails of it. Is is it pretty? Um, is it trying to be almost identical to the original Walter Travis reversible design? Yeah, and the, I mean the, certainly the routing and the corridors we want to make uh, as close as possible. I mean Travis had it figured out, so yep. you know it would be really sort of silly to try to reinvent it. Um, yep. You know whether or not we put put in every single bunker that was on that plan. You know that's something that we'll we'll talk to Tom about. Um, Obviously, there's some 
some maintenance and cost considerations, but yeah. um, and also just sort of we want to make sure that you know the, the beginner and intermediate player can get around with some level of, of ease. Um, yeah. But you know we're 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 a ways away from having to make those decisions. Sure. Um, that's kind of where I, was, where I was going earlier. So like Rock Creek, pretty big project. You're turning into yeah. you know rerouting some of the front nine, creating basically a new par three course in the back, building a yeah. driving range. Like how long do you think a project like that would take? Um, you know, it's probably 18 months from the time we shut down to being back open. And then uh, ideally, you don't you don't shut down East Potomac. Would East Potomac be second? Langston, Langston would be second. Langston would be second. But Langston's yeah. got the least amount of work, right? Is it not too I, much? I wouldn't say it's the least amount. I mean, I think we're, you know, it's still a complete rehab of the golf course. And, and it's going to be less rethinking of where holes are. Than, but is there much routing change? Over there? No, no, not much routing change at all, really. Um, but it's still putting in all new irrigation drainage. Regrassing, new bunkers, new greens, new tees. So I mean, it's it's sort of replacing replacing the golf course in place rather than sure. um, you know rejiggering of, of, of stuff. But so, maybe not as long as eighteen months. Yeah, and we might we might um, stagger that so front nine, back nines. There's okay. there's some yeah. different ways to do it so that maybe people are still have access to golf while we're doing it. And we're actually looking at that as a potential at Rock Creek as well. Um, so we're we're, sure. we're working through all that. Like right now, the back nine's not being used right. Right, now. exactly. <laughs> right, and you could you could you could kind of implement the routing that we are looking to do, while um, potentially building the driving range, and then have the driving range be open while you're building, you know, redoing the rest of the golf course. We're, yeah. we're, we're looking at all possibilities. Got it. Yeah. And so then East Potomac would be last. Yeah. So now we're I mean at this I'm doing the math in my head. Now we're we're out at 2024 or something. Yeah, I mean that would be that would be a good. Tight schedule. I don't just mean. <laughs> so it's I, called twenty twenty five. I don't, I don't want to. Even that's the thing. Is like, but nothing's I, happened to this course at least for another four actually, years. There's so much good momentum and everyone's so happy. Let's let's not. Let's I'm not right, we're not putting dates on. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. But my point was yeah. that it's going to be several years down the road. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be. It's going to be down the road. None, none of this stuff is going to be immediate as much as we want it to be. I wasn't uh, trying to put your date sooner. Yeah, I was almost trying yeah. to put your date further out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, because the idea is that at no point, hopefully, or, or the, yeah. uh, the plan is that two courses would be closed at the same time. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to promise that there will be never be two courses because I just don't know how things are going to go. But the idea is to stagger it so that if one course goes offline, the other two courses are up and operational. And yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the biggest things here, and, and certainly in the back nine at Rock Creek, really all over East Potomac, I don't know, I mean, Langston seems to drain pretty well, but is drainage. Yeah. Is, is that a thing, like... Are the are the are the, the, the like Doke and his teams? They're not doing that, are they? Are yeah, they doing, no. they, they're they're doing the draining. Yeah. Well, I, I think Tom would, in conjunction with the golf architecture, would try to figure out the best way to, to handle the drainage. Yeah. Um, and then at some point, if there's technical drainage stuff, you might have some sort of civil engineer involved. But it, you know, first you got to figure out how you want it to work with the golf, and then figure out exactly how you get the water off the property. Uh, One of the rumors I heard here—I'm not sure—I heard from where was that maybe creating a drainage pond here, here on. Yeah, so um, th- that would be a last resort. Um, okay. The, you know, the Park Service in their cultural landscape report, you know, correctly said there there was never a pond out here, um, and, and so to introduce a, a pond um, would be against the historical nature of this property. Um, does that mean you can't create ditches or some low-lying areas where water drains and maybe not necessarily a pond? Yeah, I think I think you could do that, um, but that, that would be a last resort. We we definitely do not want to create any ponds. 
Does, I'm, I'm kind of a neophyte when it comes to uh, drainage engineering. Yeah. Uh, does, 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 does water from the course drain into the channel or the river now? Um, I mean, I think there, there is water that's coming off the property through pipes that go underneath Ohio Drive. But maybe not as efficient as, as it could be. Yeah, we're, we're, we're uh, one of the first things that we're going to be doing is assessing those pipes and see their structural integrity, how they're working, um, and, you know, see where, if there are issues, where those issues are. Sure. Um, and then try to figure out how to get water to those pipes because um, they're currently, you know, it's not, it's obviously not draining as well as it, it could be. And, but also part of the problem is that this is built on a peninsula that's sinking and, and yeah. you know, uh, the, the water may be rising and so at high tide obviously there's not there's nowhere for the water to go right so yeah um, um another piece so one of the one of the big money makers here is is the driving range over here yeah so in your plans the driving range is getting moved to is it seven and eight yeah of the white of course the white, yeah right up against ohio drive yeah. So I imagine that means a big, big fence, well, a big net. Yeah, I mean, these are all things we got to work out with the park service. So, yeah. um, th you know, they've seen where we suggested it to go. That's what we submitted in the proposal. Um, yeah. But we haven't had any talks about whether or not that's a, a realistic uh, proposal. Yeah. But, you know, again, they are um, they're on record as saying they want to see the restored blue blue course. And, and that means, you know, part of the part of the uh, the blue course runs through where the driving range is now. And. So in order to do that, you got to move the driving range. So we'll work with them to try to figure out the best place for it. And hopefully, it'll be where we thought the best place was. But who knows? Gotcha. So I'm I've got a a, a soft spot for the white course myself. Me and me and my group, we like to get out there and try to play first thing yeah. in the morning quite often. So the idea of the white course, obviously, it's, it's going to get moved a bit yeah. if the driving range is going over there. Yeah. But as part of the concept to try to recreate some of the original Flynn holes in the white course. Yeah, or? we're going to do as much historical. Uh, research as we can and try to re respect that that history and um, you know if there are you know changes we'll, we'll try to you know make it so that the co the course obviously is, is going to feel different than blue and it'll it'll have a Flynn Flynn feel to it I think that's best best way to describe it um, what about uh, we've talked a lot about courses or the, the courses themselves and I think a lot of people you, yeah. you've talked about the courses quite a bit on, on yeah. other podcasts and, and Mike on this one earlier what about the, the club houses at all three courses yeah so it's a good question um, you know this is a historic structure um, and so you know we are going to be restoring and preserving this this uh, structure as much as possible um, you know whether or not it, the programming stays the same I, I don't know um, you know we're looking at a lot of different options for you know maybe building another building that will house some of some of the functions that might work a little better and, yeah um, all, all to be determined. Um, Rock Creek, part of our vision there is, you know, we want that to become a, a destination for families and juniors. Um, and we want to create a, a, a clubhouse that actually functions with, a, with F&B. Um, we think it's just a, a beautiful spot to, for a young family to go out there and have and the kids. It's, it's the surrounded kid. by residential yeah, neighborhoods. It's surrounded, by, it's surrounded by residential neighborhoods, but when you get there, it's just got these beautiful long views. You, you know, you, you wouldn't really know that you're in the middle of this incredibly urban city. Yeah. Um, so to create, you know, I like to call it Mumford and Sunlights, the string lights, and a big outdoor <laughs> seating, uh, and, you know, a place where the mom and dad can come and, and have a beer and a glass of wine and have some decent food and have the kids run around in a natural environment we think it could be a really big draw i, I love uh, that idea yeah yeah i think it could be neat um and then at langston um you know we're looking at a number of different options um the clubhouse uh it, it is not a um 
a contribute. I don't think it's a contributing structure to the to, to being on the register, but that building has so much history that you know we, we want to respect that history and whether it's a a refurbishment or expansion or uh, or something. We we, we want to increase um, the capabilities there uh, to have more educational space, more more event space for the community. Um, Sure. So that's you know again we're still early days but those are sort of the, the broad strokes. The clubhouse at Langston is 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 really neat for a number of reasons but but one of the ones is kind of like you just kind of touched on the history on the walls yeah. especially as it pertains to African American golf. Yeah. Um, I don't know the answer to this but is there an African American golf museum? Um, I, I don't think there is, and we've talked. Is, this, to, is, is Langston the de facto? Yeah, I mean, you could say so, and you know, we it was not part of our proposal because you know we we wanted to be realistic in what we we thought we could accomplish. Mm-hmm. But um, we we have had some early talks with some people about potentially expanding that clubhouse to include an African American golf museum. Um, so that would be that would be spectacular. We would love for that to happen, but you know, again, we're we're trying to be realistic about what we can sure. accomplish and not promise stuff that we can't deliver on. Yeah, I get it. Um, and then you've got uh, Troon Management. Yeah, have, have they already started? Are they? Yeah, in? yeah, Troon's in. Troon's, Troon's in. in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I see, I... I see Tim Krebs around here somewhere. At least I thought I saw him. He's the new general manager. He's the new general manager. Yeah, and Tim's great because but he used to work here, right? He used to work here. He was the general man. He, Tim Krebs is now the general manager of all three properties i think okay. i call him i'm not sure what his title is but that's that's he's the general manager of all three properties he was uh, for golf course specialist the gm here for about seven years um before moving away so he's come into this not exactly an outsider he's not an outsider he understands both the you know the incredible opportunity at these three courses but he also has his eyes wide open to the to the challenges um so you know we're really happy with tim and it's like that he's he's on board and um Trun's been a great partner um, what they, is the brand? I saw online. It's like a, one of Troon's brands. It's not, yeah, Honors Golf is one of their. What is that? It's it's one of their subdivisions. You know, it's gotcha. a company wholly owned by Troon. They, okay. they work mostly in the southeast of DC or southeast of uh, the US. Gotcha. So, okay. um, yeah, and again, Troon um, signed on early. They, we could not have done the RFP without them. They they um, they appreciated our vision, and while you know. They were, they were being approached by other organizations about being part of their bid. They they signed on to us really early, and we, we we're really psyched to have them as a partner. I just played a Troon course yesterday, Potomac Shores, down, oh, in, down in Dumfries. Um, so when these open, these are going to be, you know, obviously it's going to be years down the road, but we're going to have three golf courses in the city um, done by three prominent golf course architects yeah. that are, are, will likely be destinations because uh, you know you have people are DC is already a big yeah. destination for, yep. for tourism and now for golf tourism is there been any conversations around I'm thinking like Torrey Pines or, or San, I should say San Diego County where yeah. you have the, you have like local rates versus out-of-towner rates yeah. that sort of thing uh, so um, we feel pretty strongly that that these golf courses you know they're, they're on national parks mm-hmm. um, the the guy who's taxpayers uh, you know who pays his tax dollars from Nebraska um, should have the same pricing as, as the guy from Northeast DC, um, and so yeah, we've we've looked at that model, we've we've explored it, but we we think that these courses should remain affordable and accessible to to anyone who wants to come and play them. So that that's 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 sure. our where we want to be. So got it, understood. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pin you to a number, nor nor would you even have a number to give me, but. Is have you talked about okay when we're talking about it, uh, keeping it affordable and keeping it accessible, we need to keep it under X. Yeah, you know, um, 
we, we don't have a number. Um, I, I will say that in our models, you know, there's no big jump. You know, yeah. it, it is, it is, uh, uh, you know, a, a slight increases over time, just like they have historically done. Sure. Um, obviously, you know, post post uh, rehabilitation, the courses will be in better shape and uh, be a different product. But you know, we're not talking about jumps. Um, we're talking about steady. You know, st- or it's not. I shouldn't say steady. Uh, slight increases over time. Got it. Well, that'll, yeah. that'll make a lot of people happy yeah. because. Um, certainly East Potomac, but and, and Langston, and maybe less so Rock Creek in recent years, but yeah. Rock Creek as well. I mean, these are institutions. These are places that you know people in the city, as yeah. you know, um, you know, the community relies on it as you know the, the golfing community here, certainly locally. I, I, I know I, I do absolutely, and that's and that's you know part of why Mike and I felt so strongly about getting involved, about actually responding to this RFP because we didn't want whatever happened at these courses on the other end for them to become $70, dollars $100, $125 courses. It, it just would completely change the character of the sure. places. It would change the people the people that use them. Um, and it would it would you know it would suck the life out of the game here in DC. People you know beginners wouldn't come out to play if they yeah. had to pay that. Um, right. and people wouldn't come back to the game. And it was great seeing I was out there today for our long drive uh, that we're doing and you know there's a group of you know 12, 13 year old boys foursome walking with their push carts and you know, yeah. if this was seventy dollars, they wouldn't have been out there. I'm not sure if they weren't doing, you know, not being in a virtual school, but you know, still, it was great to see. <laughs> and the other unfortunate reality about golf in the Washington D.C. area is most of the good golf inside the Beltway or even near the Beltway yeah. is private. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. so to get, you know, good public golf, you, you usually have to drive. I mean, you yeah. University of Maryland's right there. That's good. Yeah. You got some of the Montgomery County courses are good, but you, it, it, oftentimes you got to drive. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, since you since you've either won the bid or, or taken over just a couple weeks ago, I mean, what what about the just the sense of you know now there's there's a, there's there's some responsibility here just as, as stewards of yeah, these three no, historic. I, I, that's the word. <laughs> that's the word we we use. I was very fortunate to play with uh, three members of the Wake Robins over at Langston on Saturday. Oh, wow. And, and that's what I told them. I said, we are so honored to be stewards of, of this golf course because of all the history and all that, that's gone on there. Um, you know, yeah, we, see, we, we, we feel a great deal of, um, you know, honor and, and to, to be in charge of these places and, you know, and responsibility. I mean, it, it's sure. a big responsibility. So. Sure. Um, have you gotten a lot of good uh, positive feedback from groups like Wake Robin? And yeah, I th- look, I think right now everything uh, everything's been positive, and sure. you know we want to keep that going as long as possible. We're, yeah. we you know we're we have our eyes wide open that there'll be there'll be some bumps in the road at some point, but uh, yeah. you know it, it's 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 good times right now for sure. Got it. Excellent. Um, what about National League? So, so part of the the kind of the nationaling trust mission i mean obviously this was a big win you yeah, guys get three, yeah. but but part of it you know you go to the national links national links trust website yeah. you know long term sure. kind of the idea sure. of the whole organization yeah. is to do this not just in dc but yeah. but elsewhere yeah absolutely so i mean there's a reason why we're the national links trust not the district links trust um you know we we want to um you know we're, we're focused fully on dc right now but we want to use what we learn here uh be as transparent with other communities as possible um, and, and help other communities um, protect their their municipal golf courses um, and improve their municipal golf courses and so yeah our our um, thought long long term would be to 
to be able to help other communities all across the, the U.S. Are there are there any that you have an, your eye on? Even? You know, we're we're so focused right on yeah, DC yeah. now, and there you know there's certainly there's some people who, who have reached out, and we'd love to be able to help everybody right now, but uh, you know we can't, we can't. So uh, very cool. We're, we're almost out of time here, but so you just mentioned you just came off the course. You guys are doing a long drive yeah. competition, a week long long, long yes. drive competition. This this will probably come out. The, this podcast will probably come out after, after the event, yeah. but there's going to be a, a Capital Long Drive Capital Long Drive Classic on the on the mall um, on Saturday. I think you know they're not promoting it too heavily because they're, they're not really allowed to have a crowd. But yeah. uh, it should be pretty cool. It's going to be on the Golf Channel, um, and we're psyched to to be a, a small part of it. Um, I think uh, we're working with Golf My Future, My Game, Craig Kirby, who you've had yep. on your show. Yep. Um, my brother's birdies, I think, are another one of the partners. Um, and they're part of they're part of the the event. So yeah, and that's something that we haven't touched on. We haven't really touched on a lot in, in any of the stuff that we've talked about. Is is that while we get sort of geeked out about the golf architecture um, and the potential for these places, the amount of good that we can do um, working with community groups at, at these courses is something that that's just so important. Um, you know, we're we're announcing. Uh, probably by the time this comes out, we'll have announced a partnership with Youth on Course. Youth on Course is not at these three courses uh, now, um, but they will be or are, I guess, maybe uh, as we as we speak. Are they based? They're not based in DC, are they? No, they're San Francisco based. Okay. Uh, are you familiar with it? A little bit. I, yeah, I, I think so, I only heard about them first just in the last yeah. couple months. So basically, um, I think that it's a five dollar membership, and if, once you have your Youth on Course card as a junior, you can play at participating. Uh, youth on course courses for five dollars oh wow so i mean it's just a great yeah. know, great opportunity for for juniors to get involved and play um so we're excited by that we're um announcing a partnership with the evans scholarship uh, western golf association to bring a, a pilot caddy program to here and langston um you know not not because necessarily they need uh, caddies but we think um you know the evans scholar program is such an incredible opportunity yeah. uh, for kids it can tr- transform you know a, a kid's life um, and really their family's life by paying for full ride to college um, and, and then they can accomplish you know young, young men and women can accomplish that by caddying at these courses so um, you know there's a bunch of stuff like that that we're doing um, we're, we're, we're talking to the uh, the golf course superintendents association about their first green initiative uh, I, I learned about this from Craig uh, about a, a month ago and I think it's just so cool um, is basically getting the superintendents to um, they, they go to uh, STEM charter schools and introduce kids uh, to greenskeeping as a profession and get them out on the golf course to see what that's all about. That's I think cool. it's I think it's really really neat. So I would have been into that when I was in school. Yeah, yeah we're we're just so excited that that not only do we get to to kind of play in the dirt over the next decade, um, but get to do all of this stuff and hopefully make lasting impacts on the lives of, of the young men and women of our community. That all sounds good. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, listen, I think we're out of time here. So I, I really appreciate you sitting down with me. This, it, was, it was cool to have Mike on kind of yeah. before the bid yeah. and now having, having you on after that you've, you've taken over. So congratulations again. Uh, thank you. Uh, I know I, the whole city is excited yeah. about it. Yeah. Well, I thank you for all you're doing for the city and golf. And it's, uh, I had a long drive last week and was able to catch up on a bunch of, uh, a bunch of your podcasts. <laughs> Very and, cool. It was it was great. I mean, you you know, it's really you're really adding something. So we really appreciate it. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right, Will. It was a pleasure, and uh, I look forward to, to to we all look forward to following along the National Links Trust in the three courses here. Awesome. Thanks, Alex. I got ideas. Studying Langston's ideas. I don't have a good golf game, but I don't really care. I'm a I'm a regular dude living in D.C. 
and I want to know about DC-centric golf stuff. If you can tell me something that I don't already know, then that is great for me. I don't want the regular stuff. I want exciting stuff. I want different stuff. I don't want stuff I can't hear elsewhere. But I want it to be about DC golf. 